kids are dismissed up, uh, up through fifth grade, are dismissed to head down to their classrooms now. And uh, for the rest of you, uh, we're going to continue on in worship, because worship is, is singing, but it is more than just singing. And so we're going to continue in worship by turning in our Bibles uh, to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Uh, and that is basically the last page of your Bible, so uh, that is a pretty easy one to find this morning. Revelation chapter 21, uh, we're going to be in verses uh, 1 to 4 this morning. And uh, this morning finally marks the beginning of a series that I'm calling Heaven, Hell, and Life After, Life After Death. I've been promising this series for a couple months now, and then I've been procrastinating it for a little while, and uh, here we are, and um, it's finally here, and um, I'm excited, a little nervous, there's a lot of ground to cover, I've been learning a lot of things that I didn't know, and um, so I'm kind of preaching in real time here, and uh, as I'm learning these things, and... um, I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do. I don't know about you, but uh, the idea of eternity kind of uh, freaks me out a little bit when I really stop to think about it. I had a moment even last night thinking about eternity. It's a really long time, you guys. <laughs> like a billion years? It's nothing. You know, it's, it, what's more than a billion? Quadrillion years, there's nothing, right? A hundred billion, quadrillion, gajillion years. It's the beginning. It's, you really think about it, it starts to, it's a little bit, it makes your mind kind of spin. Um, and uh, growing up, especially, I remember kind of being a little bit afraid of heaven. I don't know if anyone was like that. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know if baseball was going to be there. If it wasn't, I didn't know if I wanted to go there. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about eternity and heaven um, all over the place in the culture at large and in the church. And uh, as I was studying uh, this for this series, I came across this uh, Far Side cartoon that I thought summed it up pretty well. It's a guy sitting on a cloud uh, with angel wings saying, wish I'd brought a magazine. It's an old, I guess, wish I brought my phone would be what you'd say now, right? But is this what heaven is going to be like? Uh, just uh, sitting on a cloud with angel wings, uh, with your little halo, and uh, not really sure what you're going to do. Well, no. Um, but the point of this series is to hopefully uh, help us start to think biblically about what eternity is going to be like. You can go back to that title slide now. But I have to warn you on the front end that uh, some of these things might come as a a shock to you or a surprise, uh, especially if you've never studied this topic before. Uh, There might be things that we talk about that the Bible says that are very different than how you might have thought about uh, eternity and heaven for your whole life. And so I'm going to ask you to do three things. As we begin this series, there are three things that I'm going to ask you to do. And the first is just be willing to kind of put your preconceived notions aside and to really think biblically about what uh, the Bible has to say. What we need to be willing to do is to ask 
the right questions and enter into the story the Bible is telling us rather than just getting the questions answered that we want answered. Because here's kind of full disclosure on what's going on with this whole series is I kind of thought, all right, series on heaven, you know, have some questions about what it's going to be like, look at what the Bible says, say what the Bible says, piece of cake, like this one will be easy. And what I've realized in studying over the last couple of weeks is that the Bible does not answer very many of the questions we have, and the Bible instead is answering a lot of questions that we're not asking. Does that make sense? Maybe kind of, maybe not. But we need to be willing, first of all, to ask the right questions and to enter into the story the Bible's telling us rather than, because otherwise we're going to be disappointed because we're going to leave still with a lot of unanswered questions because there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't say. So that's number one. And we all agree to do that. Put our preconceived notions aside and enter into the biblical story. When we do that, just nod your head if you're with me on that. Okay, very good. Number two I'm going to ask you to do is to um, trust the Lord. Uh, Again, because there are going to be questions that we don't uh, have answered, and then you might learn something that is very different than what you used to think about eternity and heaven. And, um, but just because it's different than you thought doesn't mean it's going to be worse, right? It's going to be better, actually, than what you're picturing. But we need to enter into this, like, fully trusting the Lord. And I'm saying this because this is not only just an interesting topic, right? What does the Bible say about uh, life after death? It's also extremely personal because we all have loved ones who have passed away and we want to know what their experience is going to be like. And we want to know what our experience is going to be like. And if we leave with more questions than we came in with, we need to be at least willing to trust the Lord to say the things that the Bible doesn't tell us, I'm going to just trust that God's plan is even better than the best thing that I can conjure up in my mind. Does that make sense? So number one, enter into the Bible story. Number two, trust the Lord. And then uh, number three uh, is uh, if you have questions about this in the middle of the series, ask those questions. First of all, there's a couple of resources that I want to recommend. Two books that have been um, I'm going to probably say life-changing at this point um, and very eye-opening um, that have helped me with this. Number one, uh, it's a really kind of complicated title, so if you want to write it down, it's called Heaven. That's the whole title. Written by uh, Randy Alcorn. It's, it's about this thick. And then I heard he has maybe a smaller book and maybe even one for kids that's small but just as deep. And so if you want to read one that's shorter, the one for kids I've heard is actually really good. So that's one. Uh, so Heaven by uh, Randy Alcorn. And then number two is called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. And both of them really talk about the themes that we're going to be talking about in this series. So Heaven by Randy Alcorn, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. But if you have questions, I want you to actually email me your questions that you have. They can be as deep or as frivolous as you want them to be. If you're wondering if, you know, is my dog going to be in heaven when I go there? And I don't hit on that, like, send me that question. But what I'm thinking about doing is if we get to the end of this series, we're going to spend four weeks. If we get to the end of this series and you guys, we still have a lot of questions. I might just take a whole Sunday at the end, and we'll just try our best to address those questions. But if you don't got questions, then we won't do that. But if you have questions, send them to me, and we'll either answer them in the middle of these four weeks or as we um, conclude with one last week. Does that sound good? Okay. This is all like 
man, we're going long. I need to really get moving here. Okay, so I'm going to read our passage this morning from Revelation 21, and I'm going to pray quickly, and then we will dive in. All right. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we praise you for this morning. You are worthy of our praise, God. You are worthy of our worship and our adoration. And so we just come to you with hearts... um, that are filled with praise for you, for the gospel. We thank you that we could remember the death and resurrection of Jesus uh, through the, taking the Lord's Supper together, God. And I pray that that wouldn't be something that we just remember uh, when we take the Lord's Supper or even just every Sunday, but that the gospel reality would be uh, roots, have its roots sunk deep in our hearts. So every day we are living in light of that gospel reality, God. And as we look to your word and talk about what are the what are the implications of that gospel reality when it comes to eternity? I pray that these, uh, these things that we just talked about, God, that we would be willing to enter your story, that we would trust you with our unanswered questions, God, and that we'd be willing to ask questions uh, if we still um, are uh, a little bit confused. So God, help us this morning. Help me just really guide my words today, God. Um, and uh, We pray that your spirit would, as we learn about these things, they wouldn't just be facts in our head, but they would change how we live and make us more like your son, Jesus. And it's his name, in his name, we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, uh, this series, the idea for this series started uh, actually in our life group back in, I think, April or May, and somebody, we were talking about something, and uh, somebody piped up and said, I have maybe a stupid question, but like, what does the Bible actually say about what happens like right after we die? And um, so what happened due to, you know, what I do for a living, kind of all the heads in our life group turned and looked at me. And so um, I said, did, this is a really, um, this is a great pastoral move. That's one of my favorites is if you don't know the answer, but you want to sound like you know the answer, you just turn it back around, right? Well, I could answer, but I don't want to do, you know, give a man a fish, teach a man to fish, that kind of thing. So what do you guys think about what the Bible says about what, you know, where does it say in the Bible about what happens um, after we die? And so we, um, we took then a week to kind of look it up and go home. Okay, go home and try and find the verses, as many verses that you can about what happens right after we die, and then we'll come back and talk about it. And we did, and then we still kind of had some unanswered questions. And so actually, uh, Kevin Dane uh, took me out to breakfast one Saturday, and he had a bunch of questions. And, uh, and so uh, I felt really bad because he bought my breakfast, and I didn't answer a single one of his questions. So I owe you breakfast, man. I'm so sorry. Um, and so that was kind of when I said, all right, you know what? <laughs> 
I don't know the answers to these questions right now, but we're going to do a sermon series on this because I think we, probably a lot of people have these questions when we really think about it. And so um, that was where this sermon series was birthed. And um, like I said, um, it's really started me down a journey that's, um, that's helping me think about this more biblically. But I'm kind of preaching to you from a place where I feel like my head's spinning a little bit from all the things that I've been studying, and that's not good. Like, that's not, you don't want to hear, like, when you're on an airplane from a pilot, like, uh, this is your captain speaking, uh, just so you know, I barely know how to fly this thing. <laughs> I'm just really hoping we all make it out alive at the end of this. Uh, like, you don't want to hear that, and that's kind of how I feel standing this morning preaching to you. But here we are, and so you're all in your seats with your seatbelts securely fastened and your tray table stowed, and uh, so here we go, like we're going to take off. And um, so this morning, what I want to bring to us finally, after the longest introduction ever, are four things that are helping me to think about heaven more biblically. So in this first week, we're just going to look at four things that are helping me think of heaven more biblically. And here's the first, the story of the Bible isn't a story of escape from this world, but the renewal of this world. That's your first slide. The story of the Bible isn't a story of escape from this world, but it's a story of renewal of this world. And this is really a paradigm shift uh, for me, for many of us. The story of Christianity as I've been taught my whole life is essentially this, right? God made the world perfect, and uh, then... Through Adam and Eve, sin messed up the world, and so the world is messed up, but if you want to escape the world and go to a really great place, you can believe in Jesus, and he'll take you to heaven, and if you don't uh, believe in Jesus, then you'll have to go to a place that's even way worse than this, and that's called hell, and that is the story that I've kind of, the, the paradigm through which I, for a lot of my life, thought about uh, my faith, and... Um, we just kind of sang about this a couple weeks ago in Church on the Farm, right? Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away, right, to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. It's a, it's a story of escaping this world, right? And I love that song. It's the only song I can get us to clap to as a church, right? It's a great song. But the basic premise is we're going to live this life, and then as long as we believe in Jesus, we'll get to fly away to heaven and spend eternity there. And the problem is that that idea isn't an idea in Scripture. This concept that Jesus came to rescue us from this messed up world and take us out of it to a better one while this world burns is not in the Bible. Let me say that a, a different way. Jesus didn't come to rescue us from creation gone wrong. He came to fix us along with creation. So say it one more way kind of for you like construction contractor types. The world is not a demolition project. It's a renovation project. Does that make sense? It's a fixer-upper, right? The story of the Bible is the story of God through Jesus restoring creation and redeeming his people. Jesus didn't come saying, announcing, the world is going to burn, so believe in me and I'll take you to heaven. He never said that. What did he say? The kingdom of heaven is 
here. It's at hand. And so once we start to think this way, that the world isn't a demolition project, it's a renovation project, that that's actually the whole story that the Bible's telling us, you're going to start to see it all over your Bible. But right now, I just want us to look. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now, this is arguably a, a little bit of a difficult verse to start with because it almost seems like it's saying the opposite, right? It almost seems like it's saying that, uh, well, the earth was just gone. It, it just went away. But that's not uh, through this context and through the context of many other scriptures, verses that talk about this. That's not what it's saying. The passing away isn't destruction. It's a restoration, it's passing away in like its current form and the things that are sinful and wrong about it, like, like a home renovation project. But it's not being abandoned, it's being refashioned. And then you notice it says, the sea is no more. And isn't that a bummer, right? Like, man, I thought we were going to like hang out on the beach all the time in heaven, but I guess there's no more sea. Um, so does that mean you can't go on to the ocean in eternity? Uh, no. That's not what that's saying. See, in the ancient world, the sea was a symbol of death and chaos and a place where you, it could not be inhabited, right? We, even the story of creation is a story of God doing what? Separating these waters and creating a habitable world. But the sea is still there. And actually, what's kind of cool in Scripture is you, you start to notice, like, there's monsters in the sea. So like in the ancient world, like the sea was a place where everyone died who went out there. It's so deep you can't even find the bottom. And there's all these monsters there, right? This is not uh, the picture of a pleasant beach vacation. It's the symbols of death and destruction. And so what it's saying isn't that literally you can't go to the beach. It's saying that these, the, the death and destruction and uninhabitable places aren't going to be there anymore because God is going to fix these things in the new heavens and the new earth. So that's maybe question number one. Do I get to go to the beach in eternity? Probably, right? That's not what this is saying. But that's not the important part of this passage. Here's the important part, verse two. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, as prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, does that sound like us escaping the world and going up? Or does that sound like heaven coming down? It's the second one. And this is so important. This is what Randy Alcorn says in that book, Heaven, that I was talking to you about. He says this, Upon creating the heavens and the earth... He called them very good. Never once has he renounced his claim on what he made. He isn't going to abandon his creation. He's going to restore it. We won't go to heaven and leave earth behind. Rather, God will bring heaven and earth together in the same dimension with no wall of separation, no armed angels to guard heaven's perfection from sinful mankind like in Genesis 3. God's perfect plan, according to Ephesians 1.10, is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. I love that. God's going to bring heaven and earth together in the same dimension with no wall of separation. That is, that is our hope. That is our ultimate hope, that God is going to bring heaven to earth and there's going to be nothing separating it. 
Now, why is that important? Why does it matter? Is this just semantics of, oh, well, yeah, going up or coming down? It's actually really important because it's already happened, and it's already happening. All right, now this one, shout out to my Wednesday night Bible study guys. By the way, we'd love for you to join us either Wednesday night at 6 for men's Bible study or Friday morning at 6 for men's Bible study, but we just talked about this. Um, the very beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus is baptized, and some crazy stuff happens at Jesus' baptism, like, uh, for example, the heavens are what? What happens to the heavens? They're torn open, and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And so heaven in Jesus' coming is already invading earth. Now fast forward to the end of Mark's gospel. Something else tears open the veil, which separated heaven and earth symbolically here on earth. The holy of holies, the place where God's presence dwells. So, so Jesus comes and boom, like penetrates Heaven comes to earth, starts that opening, and then Jesus dies, and the Spirit comes, and then Jesus on him, and then Jesus dies, and the veil is torn, and the Spirit falls on the church. So this coming together of heaven and earth is something that's actually already begun. And so when we think of eternity, we're so often, again, just think about this world's messed up, but Somewhere off in the future, like, we're going to get away from it, and it's going to be better. It's not a future thing only, because right now, it's already started. Now, Jesus is going to come back and, and fix everything and make everything right, but it's already started. And so this is, maybe this is just a major shift for you, thinking about the story of, what is the story of the Bible? And uh, it might take a little bit of processing. I've been kind of processing these things a lot recently. But this is so important for us to understand the story of the Bible. It's not you get to go to heaven if you believe in Jesus and get out of here. If you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. The story that the Bible is telling us is that Jesus is going to fix everything. And if you're a follower of him, that's really good news for you. And if you're not a follower of him, it's really bad news for you. It's a subtle shift, but it's so important that we understand. So that's number one. The first thing that we see is that... Um, the story of the Bible is not escape from this world, but it's a renewal of this world. And that's good news, because God doesn't give up on his creation. All right, now we've got to keep moving a little more quickly. Number two, this is another one that might be a little bit shocking, but it's true. The Bible says very little about life after death and a whole lot about life after life after death. The Bible says not very much about what happens right after you die and a whole lot about what happens after, after you die, if that makes sense. And that life after life after death comes from that N.T. Wright book, Surprised by Hope, um, that I've been talking about. What do I mean by that? We know a couple things, right? First of all, we know that Jesus has not returned yet. He hasn't come back yet. And we also know that many people have died. So if our hope is in Jesus returning and restoring the earth, we know that that hasn't happened, and we also know that many people have died before he came back, and we all have 
people that we love very much who have passed away um, before Jesus came back. And so the question is, like, what, what's the experience of those people? And what's going to happen to me right after I die? And um, truthfully, the Bible says very little about that time. There's a couple of verses that we can extrapolate a few things from. doesn't say absolutely nothing. It's not silent, but it doesn't say very much. Now, next week, I know this is going to have a, you have a lot of questions. Next week, we're going to look at every single verse that talks about uh, what happens right after we die, and we're going to figure out everything that we can from those passages. Um, but we also need to understand that, this, again, the story the Bible's telling, it's not as concerned with that as it is with Jesus coming back and restoring all of creation. There's a few different kind of words or phrases that people use. So some people call this the intermediate state, the state between you passing away and Jesus coming back. Or uh, Randy Alcorn calls it the present heaven um, in, his, uh, in his book, Heaven. But the point is that it's not our final destination, okay? And this might be news to you. I was just talking to my mom last night. She said, uh, she said I was like 43 years old when I first learned that when we die, where we go is not where we're going to spend eternity. And uh, some of you might be just learning that today. Um, and if that's you, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't come in expected to have your world rocked maybe. But it's, again, it's really important that we think biblically about these things. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And so this dwelling place will come as when Jesus returns. And now the exact way that that plays out depends on your view of the end times, and I promise you I'm not opening that can of worms this morning. We have enough to chew on already. We don't, we're not uh, going to talk about that. But the point is that when you die, the biblical picture is of this kind of intermediate place, and then there's living eternally on the new heavens and the new earth. And the Bible says a whole lot about the new heavens and the new earth, and basically almost nothing about that intermediate place. And so a couple things. Like I said, we're going to talk more about that next week. Um, but uh, until then, just to be clear, this intermediate place is way better than here, right? And Paul tells us that in, uh, in uh, Philippians. He says, to depart and be with Christ is far better. So we know that Jesus is there and it's better than here, and, uh, and, and so we're not talking about purgatory. Let me just be very clear about that. We're not talking about like a place where you go and you need to like be prayed all the way into heaven or people give enough money for you to go into heaven or whatever. That is not a biblical concept whatsoever. But what we're talking about is that somehow, in some way, we're going to be with Jesus somehow <laughs> until he returns. And in that case, in, at that time, the new heavens and the new earth uh, will be restored, and we will uh, have our resurrection bodies, and we will live forever in eternity with him there. So, that's, uh, so don't be freaked out. <laughs> it's better, 
and Jesus is there, and we can trust him. Also, don't become insufferable at funerals, okay? Do not, if you go to a funeral and somebody says they're just glad that, uh, you know, grandma's dancing on streets of gold right now, don't be like, well, actually, the streets of gold are in the new creation, and so she's not, like, don't be those people. If I hear that's you, I'm going to be very upset, okay? But we can trust God that this is better, but we need to know as we think biblically, categorically about these things, there's this intermediate state or present heaven where we're with God somehow, but again, that's not our ultimate final hope and destination. The hope of the Bible is that Jesus is going to restore creation and all things will be summed up together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, and our minds can't even comprehend what that means. Uh, but we're going to talk more about that next week, okay? All right, number three. The best way to think about eternity is not in terms of place, but of relationship. The best way to think about eternity is not in terms of place, but relationship. Not saying that it's not going to be a place, but I'm saying the best way to think about it is in terms of relationship. Look at verse three once again. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, listen to what uh, Rebecca McLaughlin says about this. Quote should be on the screen. Heaven isn't a place to which God sends us if we're good. Heaven is being in perfect, happy, everlasting relationship with God and with each other. It's Jesus and his people together forever in an unimaginable whole new world. Everything good about God's new creation flows from relationship with him. And if that's true, then the flip side is also true. Hell isn't just a place where God sends us if we're bad. Hell is the absence of a perfect, happy, everlasting relationship with God and with each other. And so if you don't particularly want to be in relationship with God, if you think you can do a better job ruling your life than God can, if you refuse to let anyone else on the throne of your heart, you're actually going to be happier in hell than you would in heaven, as strange as that sounds. The new heavens and the new earth are where those who have submitted to the lordship of Jesus will, able, will be able to finally live out perfectly the very things that Jesus told us to start doing even now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you don't love God and if you don't love your neighbor, then heaven isn't the place for you. That's the story that the Bible's telling. That's summed up in the message of Jesus. The kingdom is here, it's now, and the way you start living in it is loving God and loving your neighbor. And he gives us the whole Sermon on the Mount to give us examples of what does it look like to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we think about eternity and what it's going to be like to live in the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever, there's a lot we could say. There's a lot more we're going to say. This is just an introduction. But we do well to start by thinking of it first, not in terms of all the awesome stuff we'll get to do, but as the place where we'll get to perfectly love God and love our neighbor forever and ever. Which leads us right into our fourth point, which is the best way to prepare for eternity is to start living like you're in it because you are right now, whether you realize it or not. If heaven is a place where we'll perfectly love God and love our neighbor, uh, 
Well, that's exactly what we can start doing right now, albeit imperfectly because of sin. And that's going to make us long for Jesus to come even more and fix the sin problem that we still have surrounding us and wipe away the tears from our eyes and dwell with us. He's going to dwell with us. But he already does dwell with us in the Spirit. But he's going to dwell with us more perfectly. You see how language kind of fails to, to capture these things. It's already started, and yet it's going to be completed one day when Jesus returns. And so what did Jesus tell us? How, to, how did Jesus tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring heaven to earth, God, start now. So the best way to think about heaven is to think about Jesus renewing and restoring creation. And the best way to think about our lives is that we've already started the renovation project. <laughs> we can already do these things. We can make Christ known to our neighbors. We can make Christ known to the nations. We're called to be heralds, proclaiming that the kingdom is here. We're not selling fire insurance. Pray this prayer so you can go up there because that's way better than down here. Like, I don't want to feel like a used car salesman when I'm sharing the gospel, right? Jesus is coming, and he's going to make everything right. And the problem starts in your heart. And I know that he's going to make everything right because he's fixing my heart. And he brought me from death to life. And he's sanctifying me. He's making me more like Jesus. He's starting now, and he can do that for you too. And one day he's going to come back and make everything right. You want to submit to his lordship, and that starts now. Because when he comes, if you have not submitted to his lordship, to his kingdom, then you're not going to be a part of it. So follow Jesus and watch what he does now and wait for what he's going to do. Amen? Amen. This is good news. It's maybe very different. My brain's been spinning all week. <laughs> I'm excited to hear, see, find out what, what happens next. Um, but uh, let's be a people who are, who are excited about the return of Jesus, thinking about it biblically, the story that we're told that the new heavens and new earth will come and restore and renew all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we, um, we uh, confess to you that in some ways we've gotten this story wrong. And um, we just ask, Lord, that you would help us see with your eyes not only what's going to come, but how you want the kingdom of heaven to work in our hearts and in our lives even now. The veil has torn. Heaven has broken open. We are filled with the Spirit. And we're called to make you known from our neighbors to the nations, God. So fire us up for that. Oh, God, how often we live our lives so falling so far short of what you want us to do and who you want us to be. How often do we worship false idols rather than recognizing that the true, that you and your spirit are dwelling in us. And you are the only object worthy of worship, and only by your spirit can we even worship. 
And yet so often, God, we worship the created things rather than the creator, and we exchange the truth of God for a lie. And so forgive us for that, God, and help us to live in light of eternity. And if there's anyone in this room, there's anyone listening to this, who has not submitted their life to the king, who has not repented of their sin, said, I don't want to be on the throne anymore. I want Jesus to take the throne, to forgive my sin, to renew my heart, to make me whole. God, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation and they would, they would be filled with the Spirit and today begin living in light of eternity. We pray all these things in Jesus' powerful and mighty name.